everyone, Krim Ray here. Today we're with Mr. Bob Malandro, who's the founder and managing partner of White Cap Sports Group and has over 25 years of relevant industry experience. Mr. Bob, thank you for taking the time. Nice to meet you, Kareem. Can you just share a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, originally from New York City, um, born and raised there for the most part. Uh, after college, worked on Wall Street for a number of years and stayed in financial services for, for quite a while and then eventually got into uh, uh, sports mergers and acquisitions about 15 years ago and launched Whitecap Sports about six years ago. Nice. When you, people hear Wall Street, you know, their eyes lit up. How did you get involved in Wall Street and why? Um, well, at that time, which was many, many years ago, uh, it was, it was uh, quite, you know, the market was booming and uh, a lot of people out of school that had backgrounds in business or finance uh, wanted to get involved in the gold rush, so to speak, and, and I was one of those people. So um, that kind of led me to a job with a, a large brokerage house um, at that time and got licensed and then uh, proceeded to uh, get involved in the industry from there. Nice. So why did you start White Cap Sports Group? Um, I'd been in this industry for a while working for other companies doing this type of work. And uh, like anybody else who works for another company, you get your own ideas on the best way to do things. And, and, and typically the answer is either, you know, start your own company um, um, or you uh, convince somebody to do things your way. So in this case, uh, I decided to start my own company. Understood. And how many competitors would you say you have in this space? Uh, there's not a lot. Um, it's, a, you know, it's a very small uh, industry in, w- in what we do. Uh, I would say there's probably five or six legitimate firms that are out there doing this type of work in the United States. Uh, I can't speak for overseas. It seems like there's a lot of people that uh, that act in this capacity overseas, but don't necessarily do it uh, the same way we do. Understood. So, you know, you guys got a, a beautiful office here in Tampa. Why Tampa? Um, part for lifestyle. Um, being from the Northeast, you kind of... Uh, Grow weary of the winters and uh, some of the other things that, that go on in uh, you know states like New York and, and Connecticut. Um, but more more importantly, um, Tampa is really you know a huge supporter for, for businesses in general. It's yeah. a great town to run a business. And when I launched White Cap Sports here, I had a tremendous amount of support uh, from the Tampa community. Where had I launched a business like this, let's say in New York, I think a lot of people would have been uh, trying to put us out of business. Um, you know, competitor-wise, where in uh, in Tampa, people are trying to lift us up. Nice. I watched a couple of your interviews. Spent a couple hours. You mentioned uh, Bill Gates investing three billion into Tampa. Can you share a little bit about that quickly? Yeah, he actually through his Cascade Fund invested with Jeff Finnick, uh, who's the owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, and into downtown Tampa infrastructure and to make Tampa the first uh, certifiably green city in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if your camera can see this, but. Not as not as much as it was a couple of years ago, where there was cranes behind us nonstop. Uh, most of the construction's done, uh, but they've invested, like you said, three billion dollars into the downtown Tampa infrastructure, and they have absolutely transformed the city and into uh, something spectacular. Okay, so we know that not all sports teams are profitable, professional teams. How do they stay alive and afloat? And obviously, different uh, investors have different intentions with their investment. Well, they largely stay afloat because they're owned by people who have deep pockets, right? Most sports teams are owned by millionaires and billionaires. And while they may may not be profitable on a day-to-day or year-to-year basis, um, they have owners that are willing to fund the operations and, and keep them stabilized um, along the way until they're ready to sell. What they find is when they are ready to sell that the appreciation rate of these assets, at least historically, has been phenomenal. So most people get into it knowing it's a, it's a long-term play, it's a buy and hold. 
and they'll fund the operations for better or worse in the meantime. Sometimes they make money doing that. Sometimes they don't. Um, but when they do decide to exit, it's usually at a, at a you know a significant uh, multiple to, to where they invest. And so when you say long term, are we looking at 5, 10, 15 years or longer than that? I think longer than that in most cases. There's not, there's not really a certain timeline that a team has to be held or sold. Um, you find that most... Most owners get in it for you know twenty to thirty or more years. Some treat it as a legacy investment and stays in the family uh, for even longer. Um, but I would say you know certainly uh, more often than not uh, these things are held for multiple decades. Uh, what type of funds are used for these investments? Um, well, historically, it's mostly been you know private capital. It's mostly been you know well you know healed individuals, you know well capitalized. Uh, like I said, millionaires and billionaires that would put their own money into these deals. To make acquisitions, and I would say that's changed a little bit. You know, in the last several years, where institutional capital has gotten the green light to come into major league sports here in the U.S., and that has certainly opened the door. You know, for a lot of uh, you know larger type check sizes, and um, and and more people to get involved. And what about like uh, venture capital? Uh, has there have you seen any VC plays? Um, with emerging with newer businesses like VCs typically look for, um, you may have an emerging sports league. Uh, that is backed by VC, um, or certainly things in, in the sports technology realm, which are backed by VC. But you know, when it comes to sports teams, you're not going to see VC participate in mature, you know, major league sports clubs. Uh, typically, that's just not um, congruent. You speak to a lot of investors. Uh, what are the key takeaways uh, for what these investors are looking for? Well, I'll tell you what they're not looking for. Um, yeah. and a lot of, there's a misconception that a lot of people are looking for a trophy asset or they're doing this for vanity purposes. Um, that, I can tell you unequivocally that's just not the, not the case. Uh, I haven't seen anybody do that for many, many years. Uh, people are looking for strong economic plays. They're looking for good investments. And while these are alternative investments by nature, um, if you look at it you know, from a portfolio standpoint where people have money earmarked for alternative investments, Sports teams actually play really well because unlike many alternative investments, they don't represent the same amount of risk to capital to principal um, that other alternative investments might. So at least, again, historically, sports teams have always appreciated even in down markets. They're not correlated to the stock market. They never depreciated even during things like the pandemic. Um, not to say that that can't happen in the future, but it hasn't happened to date. So investors like the fact that you know, they can take that alternative asset and part of their portfolio and, and do really well over time in a, in a sports investment. Um, what's the best sport to invest in right now in 2022? Geez, I don't want to alienate any of the, uh, the, the clients we work with. Um, <laughs> you know, I would say if you look at what has been growing at the fastest clip, I, I would say you'd have to look at professional soccer uh, here in the United States. Uh, obviously, MLS over the last three, four years has been just growing exponentially, um, and as has you know the lower tier leagues like USL. Um, so those certainly have made for very good investments for people who've got in over the last five to ten years. Um, but that said, even you know the other traditional major leagues, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, um, are all seeing you know double digit appreciation on an annual basis um, across the board. Uh, typically, at least that's that's what we've seen, you know, including this year over last year. Nice. The last question: Where do you see the future of sports? Well, I think the future of sports is going to, you know, certainly it's going to be all about fan engagement, right? You know, sports used to be 
all about selling tickets and getting people to you know come watch a game. And if you're lucky, they'll, they'll spend some money at the stadium. That model is is it's still there, but you know it's it's definitely become more intricate. You know, sports now is all about how do you reach consumers, and you reach them through multiple te- multiple platforms, various technologies. Not everybody has to go to the game to be a to be a customer, right? There's a lot of ways to engage people to get them to engage with your your corporate partners, get them to spend money on your team uh, from afar. Um, you know, so that's where the business is going. And you know, if you ask me where values are going, well, those are going to be consist- consistently underpinned by two things. One is media rights, which has been the case for many years, and the other is legalized sports betting. So as legalized sports betting takes root here in the United States, and right now I think only 18 to 20 states have ratified that, but ultimately it will be all of them. And the other being legalized sports betting. So right now legalized sports betting has not fully taken root in the United States. I believe 18 to 20 states have legalized it, but the rest will soon in the next couple of years. And once that takes hold, you know, think about it, people who, who bet or invest in games um, are going to watch more games. People that watch more games are going to lead to higher media viewership and media rights. And that will lead to higher revenues for these teams, which will then you know, lead to higher valuations. So media rights and sports betting are, are going to be huge waves of revenue generating opportunities for these teams going forward, which will most certainly bolster valuations. Do you see that being at the top of the list? or um, With respect to team values, those are the two things that will absolutely drive values more than anything else. Got it. And just to wrap it up, I like to ask fun questions towards the end. I have five prepared. Uh, what's your favorite sport? Oh, geez. To, to watch. Yeah. Favorite sport to watch live is hockey. Okay. For sure. Favorite sport to watch on TV is football. And my favorite sport overall, which will make no sense, is baseball. Got it. Well, uh, what about your favorite team in each sport that you mentioned? Oh, geez. <laughs> Yankees, Jets, Knicks, Islanders. What about your favorite food? Italian food. You can pick anything off the menu. What's your top, like your go-to? Is it pasta, pizza? Oh, man. Uh, you can't beat a good pizza. Yeah. New York, of course. For sure. What about your favorite music? Oh, or classic rock. rock. Classic rock. You'd know that just from me, probably. The last one, favorite movie of all time. Like... You just have to sit down and watch a movie. What do you put in? You can't. You can't not say The Godfather. Oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's the one. Are you, are you Italian too? Yeah, I am. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mr. Rob, I appreciate you taking the time and Thank joining you. me today.